1: I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I interview money management expert Rachel Cruz from the renowned Ramsey Solutions on how to manage our money correctly to reduce stress and anxiety. Rachel shares some great tips on how to save better, how to navigate stressful conversations about money with your partner, how to recover after making a financial mistake how to manage your money during a crisis, how to get out of debt, and more. We really dive into how to improve your financial and mental health. Just before we begin, if you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing about it on social media. I love seeing what you guys found helpful. Now, on to today's episode. Rachel Cruz. I am so excited to have you on the show today. Money and mental health. I mean, those two things definitely go together, especially in this climate. So thank you so much for joining me today.
0: They do. Yes. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, no,
1: it's fantastic. Well, can you just tell my viewers and listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, what motivates you and tell us something that's not in your bio. Everyone likes to know the little inside stories.
0: Oh, I like that. That's good. Yes, well, I am a personal finance expert, but all of this really started for me when I was born. So I was born the year my parents filed for bankruptcy. I was born in April and they filed in September, and my whole upbringing was really my parents figuring out how money really works. and out of that, my dad started his whole business, and you know he's known as one of the, the top financial experts in the world today, Dave Ramsey, and people know him. Getting out of debt and all of that, so I kind of grew up with that in my household. And figuring out, though, really early on in life, that I enjoyed parts of the business that he grew. So when I was fifteen, I started traveling and speaking with him in his conferences, and it was anywhere from like five to ten thousand people in these arenas, and I really loved it, which is very strange because public speaking is like one of the top financial fear, or top fears for people in America and so I was like okay well that's an interesting kind of gift or something that I have that's different than other people so I kind of always kept that with me and then when I went to college is when I realized the need for this message. I mean I was meeting 18 19 year olds with so much student loan debt, they were signing up for credit cards. I mean they had no clue how money worked. They're 18 19 years old, their parents didn't teach them, they didn't learn in school. And I remember thinking at around 18 I was like okay, I don't have all the answers, but I have something to offer these situations these people that they don't they don't know they don't you know they're really ignorant with it but I remember thinking okay I could I could help them and so that's when my passion really started growing and then when I graduated from college I was like okay this is what I want to do I want to travel I want to speak I want to talk to people about how to handle their money and I've been doing that for over a decade now so I will write speak podcasts a youtube show all around helping people get in control of their money to create a life that they love and money is a it's a stress point it's a pain point for a lot of people so to be able to give direction and instruction and inspiration is something that i love so so much so it's been it's been really a life-giving career which i which i love
1: oh i love it that's and you do it so well you do it brilliantly and and, and you are making so much difference in so many people's lives and helping so many people that's why i wanted to have this discussion because this is as you know I don't have to tell you what a hot topic this is and how people just don't, we need to be trained in how to use money, don't we? This is not just something that we automatically know. It's a skill that people can learn. And that's hopeful no matter where you are in life, isn't it? You can learn how to manage your money, which is such a great thing. So my first question that I want to ask you is, and these are coming from the kinds of questions that we get from our listeners and viewers. And as you know, I'm in mental health and and money can be such a pressure when you're battling with your finances in whatever capacity. It's a tremendous strain on your mental health, which can affect relationships and everything. So money can be a major source of stress, as you know. And basically, I think it boils down to a lack of knowledge on how to correctly manage money. You know that. So what are some top simple tips that you could give? Is that a good place to start on how to what are the first things we need to learn? You you take it away. You the expert. How can we start? What step? Give us some sort of starter points and, and tips to go to to learn how to manage our money.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, money, it's an interesting thing because the way we teach it and really our values system and our, our philosophy, our steps, if you will, it's really just, it's common sense. So you'll hear a lot of it and think, okay, well, I knew that, but wow, actually doing it and putting the behavior to it is the big part. So I always say personal finance, it's about 80% behavior. It's about 20% head knowledge because the head knowledge, you're not going to leave being like, oh, wow, I had no clue what she just said. It's a lot of things that you know, and then some direction in there for sure that you may not know. But overall, it is so much about the behavior, which is so so key. And so, the, one of the big things is just learning to start out to control your money. So many people live their lives where their money just controls them. Their money dictates the life they live, what they choose to do. Where I want the opposite for them. I want the person to be able to say, okay, this is this is what I'm going to tell my money. This is where that, that is. This is where my money is going to go. My money's not going to dictate my life. And that really starts with just the budget. A very simple zero-based budget. And there's a different budgeting philosophies out there of which budget type you should go with. But we always teach the zero-based budget. And I love it because it's your income that comes in every month minus all of your expenses, including giving and saving, equals zero. So every dollar that's coming in before the month begins is assigned to a category. So when you get your paycheck, you know exactly... Where it's going? You have a plan. You're being intentional because a lot of people, I'm sure, you know, around April fifteenth, they do their taxes and they think, "Where did all my money go? Like, we, I made some good money, but like, where is it? I have nothing to show for it." So the budget really, as John Maxwell says, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. That's so I good. Telling that. budget is telling your money
1: where to go instead of wondering where it went. And I love the zero budget concept. So you take your income, you categorize it and including all the the giving, the saving, etc and then it goes to zero. So you know exactly each month when you get your paycheck, this is exactly where it's going. I love that. Okay. Nice yeah, and simple.
0: Very in control. We have an app Every Dollar, you can check that out. It's for free. It's a budgeting app, but really finding those kind of tools to help you on a daily basis to say okay, here, here's what I'm going to do. And I love it again because you get to dictate, right? Like I'm not telling you what numbers to put in your budget. You get to decide on the value system of you, your family, what you need, what you want, all of it. So it really puts you in control, which which I think is amazing. That's wonderful. So, sorry. So you said you've got an app and
1: we'll put that link in the show notes. So we must just oh, get wonderful. that from. So thank you. So that's a budgeting app that people can use. Brilliant. Yes. Love it.
0: Another thing we're big on at Ramsey Solutions, which people probably know is that we're the get out of debt people. And so if this is a Big topic. So you could probably do a we could do a whole podcast on just this one topic because there is there is something about someone else owning your paycheck when it comes in. When you owe someone money, it changes the relationship. If you know them personally, if you've you know if you've lent money out to family or friends, it changes that relationship. It changes the relationship of why you go to work because you have to pay these bills. I mean, it changes so much in your mental health, if you will, in your mind about how you dictate your life. But when you're free from money, when you're free, you don't owe anyone anything. Options are now available to you. You're able to do things that you never thought you'd be able to, not just financially, but I think also, also mentally. I mean, I, I all the time that, that debt is a thief. It doesn't just steal your income from you but it steals your peace of mind. It
1: definitely does. If you're thinking, just, just worrying about how you're going to pay those things or worrying about, you know, as the, the big factor is control. And you said that in your budget concept is that you control where your money goes. And we, we like to have levels and we can't, there's so much we can't control, but money is something we can control to a certain extent. And that's that element of control that definitely reduces, because anxiety is, is, is not a disease. Anxiety is what we all live with and different, and it comes at different stages with different things. But if you're constantly in debt, you're going to more of a toxic type of anxiety, which can then affect your decision-making and all that kind of stuff, your, your health and so on. So debt does take away that feeling of control, doesn't it?
0: Oh, it does, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing. I've talked to so many people, they, they've done this. They've gotten out of debt. They have an emergency fund in place and they realize, wow, I want to quit my job. My My, my boss is a jerk. I don't like him. And now I can quit because I can actually go find something I want to do and I'm not stressed out living month to month. So it does, it frees you up and it gives you control in other aspects of your life. And, And money is not the end all be all in life by no means, but it is a tool to help you create a life that you want. It's there to help others. It's there to help your family. And so using that. And so when your income comes in and you don't have debt, you get to decide what to do with that. You get to decide how much you want to give, what you want to save, what you want to spend, Versus it going out 18 different directions and you think, okay, well, there's barely enough here that feels like so now I got to get the credit card and go deeper in debt to, to get the things that I need. So it really is this vicious cycle. And so leading people to that freedom is something that I'm not only passionate about, but I really believe it. And I, I do think that when you live a life debt-free, so much stuff opens up in your life. And so to do that, we teach the debt snowball. So that is listing out all of your debts except for your mortgage list out all of your debts, smallest to largest, regardless of the interest rate. And so that's like, people get hung up on that because they think, well, Rachel, mathematically, isn't it mathematically correct to pay off the highest interest rate first? But if we were doing math, we probably wouldn't be in credit card debt. So (laughs) math is not the issue here. Math really is, it's not the issue. It's the behavior change. And when you get these quick wins, which I would love to hear your thoughts on this, when you get these quick wins and you say, okay, I paid off that smallest debt first, which is you know, a $600 Macy's credit card or whatever it is, you pay it off, you think, okay, I can do this. And then you go pay off that $2,000 know, other credit card bill that you have or that personal loan. And then you pay off the car that's $10,000. And then you pay out the student loan that's 24. When you go in that order, we have found that the behavior of the person it, you, you not only pay off debt faster doing that, but the motivation is there. Like you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause when you're, when you're so bogged down by debt, you think, Oh my gosh, I have so much. I don't know what to do. But when you list them out, you visually see them and you start working it and you start to get these quick wins. It, it lights, it, it lights something up in you and people, man, they sacrifice their lifestyle. They get an extra job. I mean, they go crazy when they start to feel that hope. And that's the thing that we see is when you have hope in a situation, it keeps you, it keeps you going. Oh, I love that.
1: I love that. So you're taking the, you don't take the interest rate, you take the size of the debt and you take the, and you list them in order and you start with the smallest one and you pay, work out a plan to pay that off, whatever it takes. And so sooner, and then you take the next one. So in terms of brain health, that is, or mental health, it's breaking down something that's a huge problem into the bite-sized pieces. And then you, once again, it brings back that element of control because people feel hopeless. They don't move forward. They just think that the problem's too big. I can't do anything, but you can pay off a $10 debt or a $20 or a $600, you can work a plan to maybe pay that off. And as you say, as soon as you succeed in something, we saw this, I mean, I see this with mental health. I see this in education. As soon as you've passed one exam or as soon as you've conquered one fear, it's so much easier to conquer the next because you that changes the network. You build a network in your brain of success. So your mind changes your brain. So the action to choice to go through the process of of, of getting the first debt paid off or the first the planning changes your network. I've now got a Plan. I've got control. I can see the details. I, this is doable. That changes the network in your the, the, the thought structure in your brain. So you've changed your brain. You've increased your resilience. You've changed your neurochemistry. You you're stronger. You can see things more clearly. You've changed your energy patterns in your brain. You've changed, increased what we call alpha, which will enable you to dig into the depths of your inner wisdom. We all have our inner spiritual wisdom. So then you pay off the one debt, and then that that increases even more, and you have so your th- thinking becomes clearer and clearer. So from a neuroscientific side, that is definitely happening.
0: <laughs> I love it. I know. I was like, I cannot wait to hear Dr. Caroline <laughs> <laughs> Carole talk about it because we're here at Nashville trying to do our thing. And I'm like, this works. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but I know something changes people. So to hear it out loud from you, I'm like, oh, yes, that's it. Like it is wild how complex we are, you know, as human beings. But when you can start those patterns, oh, those wins it it, it changes so so much changes so much and that's such a simple solution you know and
1: it's the thing is though what if someone is and and I know and I know you I know you've got the next step and maybe this is the next step but let's say someone does have that and they've listed that as you said the 600 Macy's debt and then the 2,000 credit card and then the 10,000 car and then the 24,000 student debt that's assuming that they've got enough income but what if they've lost their job or you know what about those situations where you actually have to use the credit card just to put food on the table what about the extreme situations because at the moment Moment as we know, so many people are in that situation. What hope can or guidance can you offer them in terms of debt?
0: For sure. Well, when you're in a pandemic like this, depending on your situation, yeah, the advice does change a little bit. So if you've been furloughed, if you've been laid off, or even if you're in an industry that you think coming up even in the next week or two, if your state's not going back to work and you think, well, they're going to lay off people, if that's the case. Then I want you to pay minimal payments on everything, and then stockpile cash. I want you to just get a big emergency fund in place to have there. Uh, stay current on your bills if you can. And there are some very severe situations people can't even do that. But right now there are industries that you're able to postpone some payments. Everything from utilities, your mortgage could be—you can go into forbearance. Student loans—they're giving some grace periods. So if you need to take those, definitely take them. With the with the warning, I want you to get back as. As possible to get those minimum payments and not get behind because these are not, this is not debt forgiveness. So what you're doing is you're just prolonging when you pay that debt off, which means you'll just be in debt a little bit longer. And so my goal for you and your life is to get out of debt as quickly as possible. But if you have to take those grace periods for sure during this time, take that for a month or two and then get back on track. And, and if you have lost that job, you know, you're going to have to replace that income. And unemployment only comes for so long. And I kind of see that as a temporary band-aid for now. But go see what you can do because while some industries are completely gone. It feels like but other industries are thriving. There are industries that are actually looking to hire people. And so to go and say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do two jobs that I never thought I would do. You're going to put your pride aside for just a little bit and say, you know what, You're two jobs. I'm going to just make that income because that's going to be the key. Money flows two ways. Money flows in and money flows out. And so you have to look at the, the inflow. So meaning you may have to get that extra job, get that income up if you can. And then the outgo. So you have to look at your lifestyle. And this has been a really good time, I think, specifically for Americans to say, I'm going to reevaluate my lifestyle because what got us into debt in the first place is that we're living a lifestyle that's above our means. And while not everyone's just you know buying luxury purses on their credit cards, they really are buying food and necessities at the same time though, the standard of living that we've set for ourselves is just expected. It's, it's expected to live in a certain size house. It's expected to... Everyone has a car in the family. It's expected to go on vacation once a year. Like we just set this bar and it kind of kills me inside because I'm like, who, who said that that's the case? Yes. And so for a lot of families, they end up going into debt just to get this American lifestyle. Really, it's the standard of living. And so really shaking that up. And so we always say... You know, you live on rice and beans, beans and rice, while you get out of debt. You don't go into a restaurant, which some people can't even now. But you really cut everything out, and I think what that does—that shakes off this notion that stuff is going to make you happy. When you start selling stuff off, and you start and you stop accumulating things, it's amazing what that does. I think to to our spirits, to our hearts, to say, okay, I have been thinking, we've been bought into this lie that stuff is going to be happy, like stuff's going to make us happy, and when you suddenly start, you know. We say amputate the Tahoe, sell the kids, sell everything that the kids think they're next. Like, I mean, like get them get everything out of the house. And I think it really realigns the value system and the meaning of life while you're doing something noble, like getting out of debt or trying to just kick your head above water during this time. So there, there, is, a, there is a notion here that stuff, I always say ha- having nice stuff is not a bad thing. So it's okay to have nice stuff. Just don't let your nice stuff have you. And it has you when you go into debt for it and you owe someone something for it. And it has you when your identity, your happiness, what you what you think you're going to get out of life is wrapped up in that in, in stuff. Because if that is your life goal, I'm like you're going to be a rat in a wheel for the rest of your life. You will never be satisfied and fulfilled.
1: I have always believed retail therapy is one of the best types of therapy. And recently, I discovered Jenny Kane and cannot stop raving about this brand. Jenny Kane offers comfortable, cozy, and elegant items for your home and wardrobe. From wardrobe essentials to everything that makes your space feel like home, you'll find timeless pieces designed to stand the test of time. I recently got the Fisherman Cashmere Sweater and absolutely love it. It goes with everything and is very comfortable. It's perfect for fall. Jenny Kane also has some of the most beautiful mules in leather, suede, and more. They are simple, elegant, and endlessly versatile. Jenny Kane items also make perfect holiday and birthday gifts. Make getting dressed the easiest part of your routine at JennyKane.com and get 20% off your first order when you use the code DrLeaf at checkout. That's J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-A-N-E.com, promo code DrLeaf. The link and offer details will also be in the show notes. That's really good advice. And, you know, that's one thing this pandemic, a lot of so many people that I have spoken to and interviewed and done lives with and just the emails and the communication that we get and direct messaging and everything, it's all about how people reassess their values. So it's really been, you know, the first time humanity facing this global the same enemy globally has changed our value system and hopefully we can keep that there you know all those things and I'm sure I don't know if you've had that experience but we certainly have had that experience as well I'm sure you have it's you sort of think oh wow I don't even why have I got so many clothes you know and and I don't even have as many clothes as most of my friends I'd be honest with you and in, in the public eye you know you think I don't you know I could I wouldn't have clothes for the rest of my life and, and that's just a little thing but when you start valuing and as you say food and going out I mean you just such a silly thing like we haven't had a hair done and nails done for two, three months, and you add up how much you've actually saved, I mean, that like pays a whole credit card bill just on those kind of things. I mean, that's if you can afford that kind of thing in the first place. Do you know, there's just the, so sorts to go to whatever level you're at and see what's necessary, if I'm hearing you say, and to, to we- wean that off. So yeah, yeah that's exactly. really, that's and, really great.
0: And I even fell for, I mean, I mean, my husband and I, we kind of re-looked at everything. I think it was like, I don't know, in April or something. I was like, okay, hey, let's just look at everything. Like, where is all of our, and we're, we budget, we do what we teach. But still, at the same time, I found it, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's true. We pay for nine subscriptions in our house, everything from Disney Plus and Hulu, Netflix, this box thing I get for our bait. Like, and I'm like, I was like we like, not need nine subscriptions. So we even cut some just because it's so unnecessary. But yet you get in this kind of cycle of like, oh, yeah, we'll just take that, that, you know, because at the time it doesn't seem like a lot. It's $30 to get your nails done here, or it's, you know, whatever, $120 here for this yearly subscription, whatever it is, but it adds up over time that pandemic, like you're saying, it, it really has kind of shaken everyone to the core in so many ways, but specifically looking at your money and saying, okay, what can I cut out that I really don't need? And you start to look at your needs versus your, your wants in a whole new light.
1: I love that. I love that. What about in relationships? So let's now talk about money in relationships. So let's say that a couple's engaged, getting married, and so they're planning. What is your advice to that? And then people that are already in a marriage or in a relationship and they're already budgeting together, and then you've got you know the, the kids or whatever. So let's talk about both of those and how to fix relationships and things.
0: Well, when you are engaged, I think this is an amazing time to talk about money because a lot of couples don't talk about money before they get married. And sadly, money fights and money problems is one of the leading causes of divorce. And and in my opinion, it's not just the money, it's everything underneath it. But the money is the the outlet that it's coming out in. But it's a powerful thing that can unite you or it can drastically separate you. And so understanding how can money unite us. Well, that's getting on the same page. Talk about your value system. When you're engaged, you need to know, you know, what your what your future spouse is making. What debt do they have? I mean, it needs to be out in the open. So I think when you're engaged, this is a great time to just start those conversations, talk about it, talk about is debt going to be part of our life? Are we going to, are we going to budget every month? Like are we, what is your value system around money? And I do not recommend combining money until after you're married. So continue to pay on your own debt. Have your own checking accounts. You know everything. Keep it all separate until you get married, and then I think the wedding budgets. Yes, have a budget for your wedding. I think is a great place to say, "Hey, let's come together. Let's say, okay, here, here's where we're going to work at." And this is kind of your trial run. I mean, really use this planning for the wedding, whether it's a, a small, really inexpensive wedding, or if you have an elaborate wedding. But say, okay, here we're gonna start practicing the guardrails of having to decide this versus this. We're gonna have to say no to certain things. We get to say yes to certain things, which is exciting. That's the other part of budgeting I didn't mention, but as a I'm a natural spender, so you're either naturally a saver or a spender. And so for me, as a spender, the budget now I've realized it's given me permission to spend. And I've been able to spend more freely. And I'm not questioning, okay, is this an okay purchase? Is this too much? Is this all right? All the questions are answered with budgeting. And so when you're planning for that wedding, you get to say, yeah, I am want to allot this amount of money to the wedding dress. And you can go get that amount of money in the wedding dress and you have no guilt about it because you've planned it, you know. So, so really working, you're going to see some differences in your future spouse probably in the way they would do things too. But again, it's a great jumpstart conversation. So that, that's kind of a starting place for, for engaged couples. And then once you get married... For married couples, it's such a vulnerable subject. So, if you've not been talking about money with your spouse, even bringing it up to talk about it can be very scary and very vulnerable because it is a place that a lot of people take, keep their independence. And they say, you know, this is my money, this is your money. And they kind of live on these two different tracks. And and I hear couples all the time, a lot of couples have separate checking accounts. You know, one couple will pay this bill, the other couple will pay that bill. And my advice to them is scratch all of that and combine it all be one because the moment you get married is the moment you become one in every aspect of your life, including your money. And you still have your independence, you'll have your own passions, your own gifting, all of that. And even in the budget, each married each person in the family or adults need their own line item. So like there's a Rachel line item in ours, a Winston line item in ours. And we can go out and spend that money, but we've agreed on the amount and and all of that. So you still have your money. You don't have to check in every time you're at Target to like buy a nail polish or something. With your husband, you have some spending money there. But overall, though, combining everything and working on it together, the unity that's created in a couple when you work as a team is unbelievable. It's very hard to win financially over the long run. Things like getting out of debt or budgeting, saving, all of that when you're on two separate lanes. So bring them together, yield together, and it can create some tension at first. But when you start realizing and appreciating your differences, your strengths, your weaknesses, it's incredible what comes together as a couple. I mean, couples that, that work together, they go so far so much quicker. And again, it's just another subject of marriage like many others that, that really can bring you together. Mm. And if, if, do you
1: find that when, when they keep the accounts separate in a marriage, because that's also what my husband and I did is as soon as we got married, combined everything. And it's been, it's the advice I've given my married kids as well, because it's, you know, you have so much more and then you both involved. It's not separate. It's that unity together, as you said. And there's, a, it totally shifts the way that your, that you, your mind and your brain work as well. And you can solve problems. So it's interesting you say that when you've seen marriages where they've done this, they move forward quicker in their financial. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. I mean, you, that's all part of life. And business choices sure. and, and things happen. But you you're doing it together. It's not a blame game. It's like if something goes wrong, you don't blame you doing it together. It's decisions together. The ones that keep it separate, do you find problems? Is that a source of problems?
0: I do. I mean I'm not I'm not a counselor or anything. But yes. But, no, couples, but in terms couples, of debt, yeah. But the couples I've sat down with though the I, I always ask the why. What's the fear? Because something is driving this independence. It's usually a fee, you know a lot of women grew up with a with a mom that said you know you you have to make your own money. You can't you can't depend on a man, and and it starts you know there's a lot of that kind of language that I hear with couples. So my question always is, okay, you're keeping it separate tactically, but what's the why? What's the fear driving that? what What is it about it? So getting to that fear, it's usually never about money. It's usually more of a marriage problem at that point, but there's some lack of trust. There's something there. And when you can pinpoint that and work through that together then it's much easier to say, oh yeah, well, I can, combine the, I can combine our accounts. I mean, we can have one together. It shouldn't be that scary. But it's interesting, the backlash I get on that one piece of advice. I mean, I talk about getting out of debt and wanting to take the credit card companies out of business. I mean, I, you know, I have all these crazy stances, but combining checking accounts as married couples is the one I get the most backlash on. People get angry. They are not happy with me when I say that. But again, it's not, not, for me, when I hear it, it's not just the tactical, but there's some really underneath, whether it's past wounds, it's how they grew up, there's something under the surface there that I would really want to pinpoint with couples to understand why. So, yeah, it, it's hard though, because when you, you know, again, like we said, but, you know, he pays these bills, I pay those. But in my head, the philosophy, I'm like, you know, well, you're not roommates you're not like a joint venture coming together. Like you are two humans that have united your your lives, your spirits, everything together. And so, but money is that vulnerable place that it's easy to keep separate. But I really, I encourage everyone, put it together. And again, it can cause friction and tension at the beginning, but that's a good thing. Like, yeah, that get there, work through that and figure out what that's like. So, and bring in a third party, go to counseling, you're going know, to do something. Yeah, uh, deal with help. it. Absolutely. Yeah, you do
1: yes. embrace it, embrace bring- it. Yeah. Instead of avoiding it now I agree with you I think a lot of it's also related to I think a lot of people Maybe when they combine their accounts Or something They may feel that they're losing their With the independence As you've already mentioned But just in terms of the patriarchy And in terms of you know Sexism and that kind of thing There's there's so much negativity around that And there's been so much abuse of women That I understand totally That a woman wants to retain So I think that's in, there should be Like the agreement Like in, in our marriage I mean we have combined everything It's all money it's, We don't see it as his money My money It's all money that we're jointly making But there's an independence, you have savings accounts and that kind of thing. But there's a mutual baseline respect. And that's what I wanted to ask you. And you've kind of said it too. If there's there's a worse underlying issue, there's something, if there's a fear of joining the accounts, there's something underneath that. Is is there a trust break? Is there some kind of issue going on inside of you that you haven't dealt with? Because if you don't trust each other, you're not going to be able to combine your money. Oh, and absolutely. People, and and, and, people, and yeah. with
0: gastric, obviously, like if you're in a harmful marriage, if there's, yes, I mean, if yeah. if I mean that's, yeah, I'm saying very all different. The ideas, that's it's very
1: different. different. Yeah. 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 Yes, yes, if, you're a, if you're in a, if you're not in a safe situation, it's definitely, you need to keep your money out so you can get 100%. away. So yeah, but in a, in a, hopefully a healthy situation, it does increase your, your ability and your, your health. Well, how can, how can couples make money a stress-free discussion of top, a t- a topic of discussion?
0: Well, I find when you can agree on just even the basics, like even just sitting down and doing the budget together, it's amazing because you're agreeing on more than just your money and where you're going. You're really agreeing on your goals in life. You're agreeing on your dreams. You're, You're talking about your fears. So much comes out of that just simple budget conversation. If you've never done one, Winston and I, we've done one for most of our marriage now. So ours, you know, our discussions on the budget is probably five minutes long. I mean, they're not, it's not very long. It's like, okay, this is what's happening. Cause we've kind of gotten in the rhythm. We're in the hats. But if it's, if it's a new thing for you, you're going to find out a lot about your spouse and you're going to find out, wow, opposites do attract. One of you is going to love doing the budget. One of you is absolutely going to hate doing the budget. One of you is going to be really good at it. One of you is going to resist it. I mean, that's just the natural, what we find with a lot of couples and what you're going to see that when you, when you, get together and you say tactically easy, simple, this is where our money's going this month. And then throughout the month, it takes about, I say about 90 days to get the budget to work. So give yourself about three months. By the time you're in that third month, you're going to realize, oh, okay, you know, we have to change this, you know, the the light bill was higher here. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna up that category, lower this category, you're gonna work it throughout the month. And, and then you're gonna realize, wow, you really didn't have much of a money fight because at the beginning of the month we agreed, that this is where our money's going. So on a tactical level, the budget helps with a stress-free marriage because you're just agreeing on where that money's going. But on the on the higher end, agree and dream together. I think a lot of couples you're stuck kind of in the rat race of life. And my husband and I we're the same way. I mean, sometimes I look up at night and I'm like, oh my gosh, you wake up, you get the kids ready, you're getting breakfast. I'm running out the door, brushing my hair, trying to put on makeup, get to work, come home. You're making dinner, taking giving baths to kids. I mean, it's just. It, Wild. And then at the end of the day, it's like, what just happened? So it's so easy to live life like that for so many days, so many weeks, so many and years on end. And you don't dream together. And so Winston and I, we've set a dream date. We do this about twice a year. We go out to a restaurant and we just kind of throw out the fun question of like, what if money was not an object? Like what if, or what if money wasn't the problem? If what if money wasn't we could we could have endless amounts of money? What would our life be like? Where do we want to live? What do we want to do? Like we kind of just dream about. The future, what do we, where do we want to take our kids? Do we want to do a Disney World trip one year? Do we want to like... And you kind of just start dreaming about and give yourself the freedom and the mental space just to dream together. And it's fun for couples, I think, to do that because then you can start to see, okay, here's maybe some short-term goals have here are some long-term goals we can have and then you really start working together even more so on the fun stuff as well and I think that that's really really important and again I think we get so bogged down <laughs> during the day sometimes that we don't look up and say hey let's just look at the future and dream together so it sounds a little cheesy but it's some of our favorite things we love it it's fun no
1: I love that so you what's in you said some very interesting things I want to just uh, touch on the the fact that we do the budget together that's a major thing sit down together and each have your input a fair equal input work it out together. And then you said something very interesting that it takes about 90 days, about three months. Now, in the research that I do, and I've just finished a set of clinical trials working on various different aspects. And one of the things was how long does it really take to form a habit? You know, there's so many myths out there and neuroplasticity and that kind of thing. And it takes at least 63 days, which is at least nine weeks, which is close to three, pretty much almost three months. And there's major time points along that way. There's a 7, 14, 21 days, 42, 63, very major points. I'd be interested to see if that also lines up with the sort of financial freedom that comes along with working. So you're going to, so to tell a couple in advance that it's going to take you that long is fantastic because it's, but you will get there and then it becomes this habit that you just flow with. So it's nice. It's not going to happen overnight, which I really think is great. So that's really excellent. Well, Rachel, this has been amazing. You've given some really simple, practical, doable techniques, And but you have a great website. You have lots. Lots of information, lots of courses. So where can people find out more about you so they can learn even more how to get debt-free?
0: Yes, yeah, so well, you go to com. I have a podcast. I have a YouTube show as well and a couple of books out wherever books are sold, you can find those. And but yeah, it, it, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey. And thanks for having me on. I'm a huge fan of yours. I know you know that, but I'm so grateful to be to be able to talk to you today. So thank you. Oh
1: Well, thank you. You've been amazing. And I'm a fan of yours and I love what you say. It's simple, basic, doable, and logical. And thank you so much for your enthusiasm that you put into it. And thank you for helping us. It's been so great. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.